Well, I just want to start off with um, just a little testimony, and then we'll get right into our sermon. Um, because this, this has been blessing my heart since it happened. Um, we had this one student in our class. Her name is Abriel, and she left us on Friday to go to the mainland. And, um, you know, when she first came into our class, she had this, this, like, monster, this giant in her life. And it had to do with math. I mean, she was just, like... It, it handicapped her. We would do some problems. She would get stuck. She would break down. She would start crying. She would shut down. And I was like, oh, man, like, this girl, how can we help her? And we worked with her, and I, I started tutoring her after school, but she just hated this thing. She's never um, done well on the math test. Because at, at the end of the year, they have to take this test every Fourth, fifth, sixth graders, even third graders have to take this test, and it's stressful. And every time she took the test, she's never passed. So this was this huge giant in front of her. So we worked, and I, I tutored her after school, and I tried to encourage her, Abriel, you got this. Like, and she would, when it comes to fractions, she's like, I hate fractions. I, I, I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, you just did it. I don't know how to do this. And she would just have this like, huge stumbling block in front of her. So we'd work throughout the year, and um, I just remember as the year went along, her tears, she started crying less and less, and she had this, like, now she started building this fortitude um, to taking on this task. And, but every day, she'd still say, I hate math. There's times she was right on the board when they could write on the whiteboard, I hate math, you know, just I hate math everywhere. Well, the last week, she had to take her SBAs, and the giant, she faced her giant straight up. And she took the test. And when she came back to the room, I, I just was interested. I, I looked up her results. And she passed. First time in three years, she passed. So she came up. I, I told her to come up. Come up, Abriel. Look, check this out. Check this out. This is amazing. So I showed her her score. And as she saw her score, she just started crying, sobbing with tears of joy. And at that moment, I started crying too. I was like, oh my gosh, like, you did it. You, you overcame your giant. The thing you hate the most, you overcame it. And at that moment, I, I felt like if I could spiritualize it, I was like, oh my gosh, if God was looking down on us, how would he feel? He must look down and say, this is good. This is why... I created humanity so that you work with one another, help one another out, defeat your demons, defeat your giants, bring them down, and thrive and flourish. And I was just so blessed at that. I just, like, God, this is the beauty of this world that you put us in. This is the good things, the things that you look upon and say, wow, I created this, and it is good. And I was just glad to be a part of the journey. So with that, I I mean, that's just something that blessed my life. I hope that you see God moving in those little things where people overcome their demons because of you, you know? So with that, um, I just want to share that with you, um, just to encourage you. But 
Getting on with our sermon, we're starting on our sermon with, uh, our, we're continuing our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and I don't know about you, but it's never easy reading the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. I remember in high school, I was trying to get closer to Jesus. I went to church, went to Sunday school on my life, understood a little bit about Jesus, but never really dove into the Bible. So I remember my mom dropped me off at Moanalo High School. If you know Moanalo High School, it's like a school on a hill. So at 7.15, she dropped me off one morning, and I, I told myself, okay, I'm going to read the Bible for like 45 minutes, then I'm going to meet my friends who come at 8 o'clock near the gym area. So I brought my Bible because somebody just gave it to me. And I went up the first flight of stairs, went past the football field, went onto the bleachers, and then there's another flight of stairs to the gym, and then another flight to the main campus. So I was on the second flight, and I took out my Bible out of my backpack, and I started reading, and I was like, hmm, good place to start might be Matthew, since it's the first gospel. I knew that. So I started reading Matthew, and I looked through it, and then it went through all the genealogy. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and I was like, ooh, boring. So I skipped that chapter. Next part. So I turned the page, and there's just black letters. And I remember that the words of Jesus was in red. So I turned to the next page, and boom, there it was. Matthew 5, 6, 7, and all in red. I was like, ooh, this is Jesus talking now. I'm interested. So I started reading it, and it's, it, you know, I, I, I was like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall com- be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they should inherit the earth. I'm like, what? This does not make any sense to me. So I kept on reading about the salt and the light and the, that you shouldn't murder, which I agree with. But, and it goes on to the next part, and it talks about this, and this is what struck me. Now, remember, I'm in high school. Hormones raging. And it says, you have heard that you shall not commit adultery. Yeah, that's right. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in his heart. What? (laughs) But if your right eye causes you to stumble, what should you do? Pluck it out. And if your left hand causes you um, to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I am going to hell. (laughs) There is no way... I go to school because there are girls. That's the reason I went to high school. It's like, I don't care about math or English. It's about the good stuff, you know? (laughs) That's what I was looking for. But then the Bible, as I was reading this, I was so discouraged. I was like, you mean if I just look at a girl, like the Bible tells me to pluck out my eye? I'm like, how many... If we were all Christians on campus, how many kids over here would have one eye and one hand? So I read that part, and I got so discouraged. I said, I'm done. I'm, this is too hard. And I put my Bible away, and I put it in my backpack, and I was like, that was the last time I did a devotion on that bleacher. Because the teachings of Jesus are very difficult to understand and very hard to do. So we're going to look at one of those hard teachings today. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 5, verses 38 to 48. 
So it reads, You have heard that it, it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to see you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now this is where it gets hard. You have heard it, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not, do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect. What? Perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, wanting to seek you out, to learn more of you, that you would meet us here today, Lord, that you would speak to our our heart and our soul and our spirit, Lord, that you would bring healing and restoration. Lord, we pray that you would look into our hearts this morning and, Lord, clean whatever needs to be cleaned, that we may be more like you, and a blessing to this world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as I read through this text, many questions arise. Um, if you know anything about the Sermon of the Mount, it, there's always this pattern. There's this like, you heard it was said. This is how you supposed to, like how people do it. And then there's this but, which emphasizes this like cycle but you do this. And then there's this new way of doing it, this resolution on how to end this pattern. So as I read this, I had so many questions. I was like, okay, you said if you get hit on the right, turn him your left shit. Why would I let anyone hit me twice, let alone once? Why would I let them hit me at all? I would be like, duck and weave, duck and weave. (laughs) More importantly, why should I love my enemies? How do I do, and in doing so, how do I do that? Then there's one more line. It's like, be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. Man, that's some unfair expectations, right? (laughs) How do I live up to that? So as I read through this, I'm like, okay, we're told not to retaliate. And a thought comes to my mind, why do I have to suffer through all these acts of violence of people bullying us or being selfish towards us? People, why do I have to deal with people who are greedy or narcissistic? And why can't I be 
Why can't I retaliate? Why can't I take revenge? How many of you experienced something horrible that was done toward you? How many of you had someone who made you feel so small, so insignificant? And at the end of the experience, you were left shattered and devastated and hurt and bitter and angry. Maybe this act made you feel so unlovable, so unworthy that somebody would do this to you. You may have had the question replay over and over in your mind. How could this person do such a thing to me? You may have been wounded so badly that entertaining thoughts of of this person or this group dying would feel so satisfying, so fulfilling. I mean, why not? It works in the movies. It feels good when I watch the bad guy get what he deserves. If I were to rate it on Rotten Tomatoes, I would give it five stars and write in the comment, love it! I enjoyed seeing Darth Maul get sliced in half after killing the charismatic Qui-Gon Jinn. There was some satisfaction in seeing Voldemort turn to dandruff at the hands of Harry Potter. I rejoiced when Captain Cook became crocodile food. And even a part of me had an uneasy sense of relief and satisfaction when I heard that Osama bin Laden had been put to rest. Wouldn't the world be a better place without these pathetic excuse for a human being to be wiped off the face of the planet? Just like Thanos. See, there's something within our soul that desires justice especially when we experience injustice. Yet there are times when we want this justice to be played out through an act of violence. Maybe not through your hands or my hands, but at times I wish that the Lord would, as they said in Pope Fiction, strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger. So bad, right? (laughs) I feel that way. Yet it feels so right, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yet Jesus tells us to love our enemies. How do we do that? And more importantly, why should I love my enemies? Why should I love the person that hurts me, that caused me so much grief and pain and anguish? Why should I do that? See, this is one teaching, and to be honest, I'm struggling with this. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this teaching. How do I do that? How do I care about someone that has caused me so much pain? I don't even like the person. I would be fine if Jesus said, okay, love your neighbors, but you know what, try not to hate your enemies. Or, Love your neighbor, but just be cool with your enemies. 
I think I could do that. But to love your enemy? Love? Come on now. Like, seriously? Every time I see that dude or that group of people or hear their names, my blood pressure just rises and I'm supposed to be like, hey, love you. So when I hear Jesus say to me, love your enemies, I get so frustrated. Why you got to make life so hard for me, Jesus? Why can't you just be okay with me just withholding love towards this person? But Jesus still continues to tell us, love our enemies. And I think it's because of this. At the heart of the matter is our heart. Being resentful and callous and apathetic is a condition of the human heart. How can a human being be so inhuman? You know, we as a human culture, we came up with some great inventions. We can create limbs now and clone animals. We invented a way to talk to people around the world wirelessly. We can now get information and watch an event streaming online live from the palms of our hands. When I grew up, when the NBA playoffs was on, it was always tape delay. We would watch it the day after, and when we got the score, it was from the newspaper. Now you can get it instantly, play by play. Wow, how technology has grown. Yet, we still have no solution to change the human heart. We can write all the laws we want, we can put all the penalties in place, and it still does not help, it still does not stop evil or destructive or violent actions from taking place. Only Jesus can change the heart. That's the reason why Jesus implores us to love our enemies. Because when we fail to love, we stop being the human beings that God created us to be. This is why Jesus teaches this hard teaching, this confusing, unorthodox message. Love your neighbor. Now, if we look at Jesus' life, he didn't just say this like nonchalantly. Think of his situation. He was born in a time of violence and oppression. During his time, the Israelites were under the rule of the Roman rulership. They were slaves, basically slaves, living under a tyrant. Yet Jesus, under these circumstances, tells us, love your enemies. See, Jesus' teaching is about ending this vicious cycle of violence. Jesus is teaching about how to live life to the fullest. 
It's about doing things a better way, a way that stops the violence and brings us to a deeper humanity. Now, when I was growing up, we as kids were taught this one important life lesson, this golden nugget, this key to how to make it through this world. Okay, I think all of you heard it before. Are you ready for it? Okay. If somebody ever hits you, you hit them back. You what? You hit them back. I don't know if my parents said this to me. <laughs> my mom's shaking her no, head no. <laughs> she didn't. My dad did probably. <clears throat> if somebody hits you, you hit them back. This is just like the concept, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And if you look, up, look throughout human history, there have been war after war, fight after fight, violent acts to counter a previous violent act. It's a vicious cycle. Yet if we keep on taking an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, we will leave the world toothless and blind. Now, I don't really know the answer to the question of why God allows evil to have a part in our lives. Or why God can do such hurtful things to how God can allow hurtful things to happen to one another. Or why there's injustice in this world. But I know this. This I know. That we can allow these horrible evil things in our lives to define who we are and control us and have power over us and enslave us. It stops us from moving forward. See, Darkness cannot defeat darkness. Nor can causing pain ease our pain. Neither will promoting fear lessen our own fear. Nor will violence end violence. Because evil will not stop evil. So we're left with a choice. We can either keep this vicious cycle going by retaliating with violence and paying revenge for the violence we experience. Or we could continue to, and we can continue to take an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth until my enemies and I are toothless and blind. But Jesus tells us to love our enemies. And like I said, I'm still struggling with this hard teaching that Jesus tells us to do. But so far, this is what I got. Okay, I'm on this journey. I'm going through this just as much as you guys are. But I think this is what Jesus has shown me. He showed me that our heart was never meant to be a container for hate, but for love. Jesus teaches us to love our enemies, and this is one of the hardest things to hear yet it's even harder to do. I've learned so much about myself and my condition, the condition of my heart. There's times where I feel comfortable and things are going well, 
And I feel like I've arrived and that my soul and my spirit is good and Jesus must be just smiling down upon me and feeling so good. Then I run into someone that strikes a nerve and rubs me the wrong way and hurts me. And when this happened, it's kind of like if you've ever been on the field and it starts to rain and then it forces all the bugs and the cockroaches and the critters scurrying from the grass onto the sidewalk. See, our enemies have a way of revealing the deficiencies that are in me. That my heart can be hateful and resentful and hurtful, capable of revenge. So in the process of trying to learn to love my enemies, I've learned that some days it's easier than others. And on other days, it gets really ugly. Some days I can see the person and be like, you know what? God have mercy. He would have done this, per- this to anyone. I can deal with that. That's just who he is. That's his character. And there's days where like, he stole this from me. He took what was good from me. And it hurts. And I get really ugly. But in the process, I'm finding out what it means to be a true child of God. In dealing with these things, now I'm able to see God moving and working where I would have never gone before. If it wasn't for this event that happened in my life, I would never have seen Abriel happen. I would have been too comfortable. See, this is the beauty of the gospel and of Jesus Christ and of following God. God is the only one that can take something so evil, so horrendous, so devastating, and turn it into something unexpected and amazing and wonderful. Only God can move us to a place where we can enjoy the beauty in life, because we're no longer caught up in this vicious cycle. We're moving forward. With this, I'll close. As we reflect on Jesus' teaching, I want you to think about someone that had wronged you in the past. How much space do they take up in your thoughts? How often do you think about them? How much do they consume you? 10%? 20 20%? 80%? 80%? We can continue to let them take this much of our space in life. Or we can end the vicious cycle and try our hardest to love our enemies so that we can break this cycle and move forward and see the beauty that God has in store for us. Let's pray.